Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yet another Enneagram podcast. But this one's different. Another Enneagram podcast is here to help you be a better leader for your team. We know leadership is already challenging enough, and it can be downright frustrating when your team communication breaks down. Another Enneagram podcast is here to tell you stories of leaders just like you who are learning how to lead their teams better with the Enneagram. If you want your team to communicate better, be more productive, and love their jobs, another Enneagram podcast is for you. Hey, welcome back to another Enneagram podcast. Uh, excited to be here today. I'm Ryan. I got my friend Cody here with me. We're talking about the Enneagram and leadership and excited for today. Last episode, Cody kind of grilled me a little bit on, on my story, my Enneagram journey and some leadership stuff. And today the tables are flipped and I get to do the same uh, to him, give it, give oh it back boy. to him a little bit. So Let's excited go. about that. Cody, uh, you ready for this? Let's do it. Be nice, please. All right. All right. Well, okay then fine. I'll, <laughs> I'll not ask the horrible, terrible question I was going to ask to start. Okay. With. We'll okay. start, we'll go to softball first. So man, just, uh, give a little intro to yourself. Talk about, um, just your story, where you at right now. I know you mentioned a little bit of that in the first episode, but yeah, talk about the role that you're in and some of your responsibilities and yeah, just so people can get to know that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So this, this story makes a little bit more sense if I go ahead and tell you, I'm a, I'm a type seven on the Enneagram. And so I was raised in uh, Southern Arkansas. Um, mm. A lot of, spent a lot of time on a pig farm, actually. Lots of rice down there too, right? Lots of rice, man. Yeah. A lot of mosquitoes too. Mm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, spent a lot of time on a, on a pig farm with my dad. And uh, now I live in Southern California with my wife, Alicia, and we work at a youth camp um, up on the, in the mountains, uh, about an hour and a half from LA. Um, I, I never would have imagined living in a place where you are two hours from the beach. Um, I live six minutes from a ski slope and, mm -hmm. uh, and about an hour and a half from Disneyland. So it's kind of like it's, it's, it's magic here. Um, <laughs> that that so, does sound like the perfect spot for a seven. <laughs> it actually is. It really is. And so, um, and, uh, yeah, I'm kind of a weirdo out here cause I actually don't enjoy the beach at all. So when everybody wants to go to the beach, I go hit either the snow or hop on my mountain bike or things like that. And so, yeah, I love it here in the mountains, but yeah, but like Ron said, um, yeah, I have the privilege of working here at Camp Pondo. And so a big part of my role as program director is I get to recruit and lead our um, camp staff, both for winter camp and summer camp. Um, we have anywhere from uh, 20 to 32 staffers for each of those seasons. And uh, most of them are college-age students, 18 to 22, 23. Um, and so we actually use the Enneagram um, as kind of a common language um, as we move throughout our summer. Um, when you pack about uh, 16 girls into a cabin over the course of 10 weeks, um, there's bound to either be uh, blood or death. Um, and so we hope to introduce um, maybe some tools to keep them from uh, killing each other and maybe even be friends and uh, enjoy their time together. So, so that's yeah. a little bit about, a little bit about me. Cool, man. So then talk a little bit again, I know you shared just a little bit before, but go a little bit more in depth with your story on the Enneagram. How, how did that come about? And um, yeah, just take it from there. Yeah, for sure. So when I was 19 years old, um, I hopped in with a couple of friends and we actually started a band. And so we've actually been traveling as a band for a little over 11 years now, which is kind of crazy. 
Um, and so that's actually what brought us out here to California. Um, and so all of us in the band had landed in Conway, Arkansas, which is where um, Ryan lives. And, uh, and yeah. so we Home were- Home of the Wampus Cats. You got to look that up. <laughs> a Wampus Cat. It's actually really cool looking. Um, but I don't think it's a real thing unless uh, there's- <laughs> No, no, it well, is like, not a real thing. Well, you know how they like drive through the city with those like mosquito foggers? Um, that's bound to have caused some like, uh, mutations with a, mutation uh, this, somewhere. With a street cat. <laughs> so maybe there is a wampus cat running around somewhere. But, um, anyway, so we were in Conway, Arkansas and, um, um, got to spend a lot of time with Ryan and Ryan was actually the one that introduced me, um, actually took me to an event where they were introducing us to the, to the Enneagram. And, uh, we actually went and sat at a waffle house, um, uh, where he, uh, introduced me to what in the world a, a type seven was and uh, I got to be honest, that was a heavy day, um, especially when you got to the whole like childhood wound part. And we'll dive into all that stuff later. But uh, I just remember like weeping in a, in a waffle house um, and uh, got a little tear on my waffle. Um, and so but that was probably the, the least worst thing that was um, that had fallen in that waffle. So that's OK. But uh, yeah, <laughs> hey, don't so hate on waffle house. man. Don't hate. <laughs> uh, man, I love that spot. Actually, they don't have them out here. So. I'm gonna miss it. So yeah, dove into type seven. And what was really neat is at that time, the band that I was a part of had actually launched a nonprofit, like a parachurch um, organization that our primary goal was to equip leaders within um, the local church um, to help creative leaders, um, production leaders, um, just be the best that they can be um, and to create healthy cultures and healthy systems for people. And so I had been in like leadership roles, you know, throughout my life. And um, I think a lot of people looked at me and saw like just a high energy kind of go-getter kind of guy and thought, well, hey, you must be a leader. And they would just throw me in these uh, situations um, without any proper training or without any proper tools. And man, I caught myself a lot of times getting frustrated and um, having a lot of people frustrated at me. Um, and so the Enneagram actually gave me a lot of understanding um, as to the kind of leader that I was, the kind of leader that I could be. Um, and then also helped me really grow an awareness to the things that were preventing me from being a healthy leader. Um, like one of the things in that situation was I caught myself, I think we were having like probably two or three staff meetings a week, um, which is way too many, um, but we were launching something new. And I, I found out that that like beginning process was so life-giving for me, but there were actually people on my team that that was like the worst place that they could ever be in. And I had these unmeetable expectations over them and caught myself just like, like, why am I so frustrated? Why do we keep running into these problems? And so like how Ryan, you mentioned in the last episode that um, it, it helps you understand that people don't see the way that I see. They don't think the way yeah. that I think. They don't even put... Um, as much stock into things that I put stock into. And so um, it helped me be a more present leader. Um, And that's pretty, you know, I I think it's a great um, attribute for any leader, but specifically for sevens, um, we're so prone to like being future minded and living in the what ifs and the what could be that we miss out on so many things happening in the moment. Um, And I think I was so in that season of my leadership, I was spending so much time planning for what wasn't actually happening that I was missing out on some amazing opportunities um, in that like really fun, exciting uh, 
launching chapter of our organization. And so, um, yeah, it, it really just gave me language to my own frustrations and downfalls. And then it actually provided tools for me to, to grow and to get healthy and be the leader that I needed to be. So in the last episode, I gave a little rundown of kind of what each Enneagram number, you know, mm-hmm. needed their, their kind of core values. But why don't you, since you are a seven, uh, tell what a seven is in your own words, kind of explain mm-hmm. that rather than having me, you know, explain that. Yeah. Um, Walt Disney, Robin Williams, you know, people like that. Uh, man, sevens are these are really awesome. Um, just they 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 can be the the. You walk into a party, it's pretty it's pretty evident who are the sevens in the room. Um, they might be the one dancing on the table. On the um, table, yeah. Yeah, they might be the one that um, they're typically the loudest. Um, uh, really trying to take the party to the next level, um, kind of people. And uh, but sevens have this. Um, really weird downfall where we, where we, we just want to avoid pain. Uh, we just want to avoid being trapped in um, the painful areas of our life. And so um, we fixate on fun. We fixate on adventure. We fixate on planning for all the things that could happen. Um, and we love freedom. And so you can probably already imagine how that um, can be a little troublesome in the workplace. Um, I think there's how a, let, let me ask this. I'm going to interrupt with this question. Yeah. Let's just say, you know, hypothetically, there was some like global pandemic that caused people to have to like <laughs> quarantine from others, stay inside, not go to do fun things because fun things are closed right yeah. now. If a situation like that were to be reality, how do you think a seven would respond to that? Um, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but I, I think that they would absolutely lose their minds. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that they may start, um, randomly buying, um, video game consoles or, oh, no. <laughs> um, randomly buying, um, you know, new parts for their mountain bike or, um, hypothetically, how do their yeah, wives feel about that? Hypothetically, they hate that stuff, man. Um, <laughs> and so, um, I actually never pulled the trigger on an Xbox, um, I sold, I actually sold my Xbox and we'll talk about that later, but actually that was one of those moments of like, I need to eliminate some distractions. So I sold it, but nice. I, re- I regret that stuff because quarantine <laughs> would have been the perfect place to play, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so well, yeah. sorry for interrupting. I just oh. saw my chance, but, yeah. um, well talk a little bit then about that Enneagram journey a little bit more for mm-hmm. you and what were some of the big aha moments you had maybe in the first, you know, kind of season of exploring the Enneagram? For sure. So I think the first steps were, um, I dove into Ian Cron's uh, Road Back to You. Um, It's a great book for anybody that wants to kind of start their Enneagram journey. Um, And then from there, I went into Christopher Hewitt's um, Sacred Enneagram. And uh, I love the way he sets that book up because he kind of does what a lot of people do in the first half of the book. Um, and then there's actually like two or three pages of like blank white, you know, like paper. And then he says, okay, now if you really want to start digging in, like, this is where we go. Um, and he says, a lot of people stop there with just kind of the basic head knowledge of it. And some people may even dive into kind of a deeper understanding, but then to take it to the next level of actual, like embodying, um, this information and allowing it to be transformational. Um, there's a, there's somebody who quotes that they say, you know, information is not transformational. Um, you, there's a, there's a process there. You actually have to like dig into it and grab hold of it and be open, uh, to 
all of the sucky parts that you're probably going to encounter um, in the midst of that. And so, um, yeah, so for me personally, um, man, you mentioned it last time, but I was really newly married in that season of life. Um, and I'm married to a six on the Enneagram. Um, and you want to talk about um, just some confusion, like early on in marriage. Um, you're actually married to a six as well, Ryan. So um, am, you, yeah. you get this. Um, but a seven, six combo is is kind of interesting because um, sixes can kind of be driven by fear. Um, and uh, and I actually learned that um, that actually applies to me as well. And I didn't mm-hmm. understand that because um, I was always the dude that was willing to you know do the backflip off the the 40 foot cliff or you know, hit the big yeah. mountain bike jump and didn't understand how I could have been driven by fear. Um, but opening myself up to the fear that allowing myself to experience pain or allowing myself to actually commit to certain things could mean that those things would come to an end um, or that I may experience um, maybe a, a, a decrease in what I viewed as freedom. Um, man, it was, it was heavy and it was hard. Yeah. Um, but honestly, what has come out of that, I think is, um, and I haven't gotten there. Um, and I don't think I'll ever really get there. Um, but just a pursuit of gratitude. Um, you know, they talk about for sevens, this, um, idea of gluttony. Um, and if you look at me, um, I'm kind of a, a, a skinny dude. Um, it's not by choice. I would love to be, um, the size of my little brother, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's genetics and maybe some other weird stuff. But, um, so I don't, I don't overeat, uh, just a ton, but, the gluttony they, they mentioned is this idea that we um, like overuse or abuse um, kind of these uh, escape tactics. Like we, anything that gives us pleasure, yeah. anything that um, can help us escape from potential pain, um, man, we're so prone to just abuse those things and do too much of it. Yeah. Um, and so over the, over the years, I have um, been able to recognize when, when those things arise, I've been able to recognize like, Hey, I've been spending a lot of time like um, researching uh, new mountain bikes. Um, I have a perfectly good one, um, but I'm about, you know, four days into doing research on some new bike or some new thing. And it's like, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the research, but it's the motivation there. Um, yeah. Thinking that, that I'm missing something or thinking that if I just had that next best thing, mm. then, then I would be fulfilled in some way. So, so I think the thing for, for me and hopefully for other sevens is if we can get to a place where we can learn to be um, content and grateful for where we are and what we have, then we're not um, completely run over by the desire to plan and the desire to um, always be like living in the future. Yeah, dude, that's so good. Um, talk for a minute. I know you kind of have a good story about your team and when your team first like encountered the Enneagram. I think if I remember right, you work with a lot of nines. Is that right? <laughs> so talk about yeah, that and what kind of an impact that the Enneagram and your team going through that together and learning about that made uh, on your team as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we had a team of, I think, five or six whenever I first learned about the Enneagram and then then introduced it to them. And so out of those six people, uh, we had two nines, a five, and then two sevens. Um, my little brother was one of those sevens. Um, and, uh, and what's really interesting is that the two nines that were on that team were the people that I, up in, like, at that point, we had been doing the band thing together for like six, seven years. So like, I thought that I knew these people. I thought that like, we, you know, we had like, um, gone to the depths of, you know, like, you know, I've learned all there is to learn about these people. 
And, you know, we had those clashing points. Like we had those things that just felt like, man, like why do we keep hitting this wall in our friendship and our working relationship? And, um, and as I talked about earlier, I learned that certain people just weren't overly amped up about um, launching new things and that, and that whole process, you know? And so, um, so when I learned that, um, you know, I had like two nines a five and another seven on the team, it did, man, it, it helped me utilize the gifts and the, the specific um, passions that they had um, to create a more well-rounded culture. Cause I think I was expecting things from them that they weren't, it's not that they weren't capable but it's things that would have cost them a lot more energy or a lot more, yeah, investment um, than the things that actually would would come natural to them. And so I learned how to to invite them in. I made sure that, especially for my nine um, coworkers, that um, I you know reached out to them and made sure their voice like was heard and their voice mattered. Um, for my my five friend, it was like, hey man, here are the facts. Here's the information. Um, I hope that, you know, you understand all of this and I'm not asking (laughs) things of you that you're not, um, you know, fully equipped to, to understand and know. Um, and then, uh, yeah, things like that. And so it really was, it was, it was life-changing for our team. Um, it helped us show grace to one another. It helped us be more patient with each other. And then for me as the leader, I think it helped them understand that what I was going to bring in that season, like the vision and the dreaming and kind of the, the looking ahead, um, they could keep me in check with that because obviously it's valuable, but it's not the only thing that's, that's needed in that time. And so when I would time after time, after time, be like, yo, yo, I got this idea. And then I would dump this like, you know, 20 minute idea, <laughs> brainstorming session on them. And they're like, I thought we came here to talk about finances, you know, right. uh, you know, something like that. And so, yeah, it was good. So listening to you talk about all that, honestly, it sounds like a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like a lot of work to figure out how to interact with this person this way and this other person in this other way. What would you say to somebody who's listening, who's a leader of a team, who's just like, okay, this is ridiculous. I don't, I don't have time or energy to cater to all these different people. Why can't I just lead how I want to lead mm-hmm. and everybody else just needs to like figure it out around that? What would you say yeah. to that leader? I think the first thing that comes to mind is think about how much time you're going to have to spend hiring um, for those positions. Think about how much time you're going to have to um, recruit and interview and re-interview um, and that whole process. So what if you were to turn your attention rather than to constantly trying to find something that's, that's out there? Um, what if you actually turned your attention to investing in and developing a deeper understanding for the people that you already have at the table. Um, a lot of leaders, um, Seth, I think Seth Godin talks about a lot of, you know, of like, um, it's not about, um, just having people on the bus. You got to have like the right people on the bus. You got to have the right people in the right seats on the bus. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I truly believe that for a lot of us as leaders, we have people under our leadership in our organizations that, have answers and ideas to problems that we don't even know exist. And so if you're willing to um, take some time to not just their Enneagram type, but just to understand like what they bring to the table, their skills, their gifts. um, I think people are just waiting. I think people are really just sitting and waiting for an opportunity to contribute something to Hmm. their workplace. And so when you open that door, 
Um, and especially if you open that door with like empathy and you open that door with um, a desire to understand, I think you're going to get um, way more than you, you expected from that, from that uh, staff member. Um, yeah. I think they're going to provide an exponential um, amount of uh, um, not just like investment, but they're, they're going to be able to do things that you didn't know that they were capable of. Um, and so you're going to save yourself a lot of time and money um, <laughs> trying to go yeah. out and find that person when you already have them like with you right now. Yeah. Well, and I, I like what you said at the beginning too, about spending time, you know, in interviews and all that stuff. Basically what we're saying is you're going to spend the time one way or another. It's not that you're not going to spend time on that person. It's just how you're going to spend it. And I would just second everything that Cody's saying here that you can spend time, you know, trying to find the right person, or you can spend time investing in the right person. For sure. And and one of those has a long-term return for you, and one of them does not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, one of the questions I've heard before is like, so what happens if I spend this time and money and energy investing in staff people, and then they leave? And the best response I've ever heard to that question was, well, what if you don't spend the time and money and energy investing and they stay? Hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's good, right? Yeah, like so good. So good. Well, okay. So let's wrap up with this. One more question for you here for people that might be listening that think they might be, or know that they are Enneagram sevens who are in a position of leadership on a team or in a company. What's your kind of golden nugget piece of advice to, to those Enneagram seven leaders out there that are listening? Hmm. Yeah. Um, you, so you said this earlier on, you said the idea of like listening. Um, and I think every type there's like listening and this. So every type is going to have to do something beyond that. I think for sevens is, um, stop trying to bring people out of sticky situations. Stop trying to, um, paint the silver lining on every situation. Hmm. Um, sometimes things just stink. Um, and you need to like get in the mud with those people and really um, dig in to figure out a solution. I think sometimes us as sevens, people bring problems or people bring complaints and we're so quick to try to reframe it or turn it around as like, Oh, but, but have you thought about this? And like, you know, and try to make it into something positive when yeah. sometimes we actually just need to sit in that and we need to, um, there's empathy there. There's, there's, I think, uh, there's a lot of personal influence that is developed in those moments. Um, because sometimes people don't need fun guy, um, they don't need uh, Mr. Energy. Um, they just need somebody that's going to be there to listen, have their back, um, and create a, a, a lasting solution to a problem. Dude, that's awesome. Well, I'm sure over the course of episodes, we'll get into more personal stories and experiences and just lessons that we've learned along the way. But I think that's a good place uh, for people to get to know you and, and a bit of your journey and leadership experience and I'm excited to to press on in some of these episodes. We've got some guests coming up that uh, are real leaders, just mm. like you, uh, who are leading their teams and learning to do that better using the Enneagram. And I think there's just so much that we can talk about and so much that we can learn in, in this conversation. And so I'm excited for that. Um, excited to be doing this with you, Cody, Absolutely. and just excited to see where this all goes. Yeah, love it. Hey, thanks for joining us today on another Enneagram podcast. As fellow leaders, we know it can be frustrating when it seems like you always run into the same problems on your team with the same people. But leaders just like you 
are learning how to lead their teams better using the Enneagram and you can too. So if you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media and leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably only good you know, reviews and ratings. That would be great. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram or at another Enneagram or head over to our website, anotherenneagram.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of another Enneagram podcast.